Well, good morning. Or should I say, good morning. Which way do you want it? <laughs> Just get it over with. Who cares, right? No, not really. Uh, I just wanted to mention something. It's been a while since we've had uh, kids' church for our elementary age children, and starting next Sunday, uh, Sarah is going to begin teaching our elementary kids again. We're still pausing, and I, I apologize for this, we're still pausing to re-enter our uh, preschool and nursery. Bear with us. It, this isn't easy for any of us. Um, my heart is I'd love to see it open, but I also recognize that some of the mandates that we've been given, uh, that would be really difficult to in, ensure. So... Uh, sooner than later, hopefully, we will open our nursery back up again. I know there are people at home that aren't able to come because why? You know, they'd be sitting here watching two or three little toddlers. Um, I get that, and we're praying for you. I, I hope that as you're at home that you have some kind of social network uh, because that would be difficult if you didn't. And uh, we pray for you moms, I'm telling you, and dads. Some of the dads are at home. Wow, I love this, this mask that you're wearing, Bonnie. Wow, I'm just like, that's cool. Uh, it's like a tiger face. Uh, cool. Um, I also wanted to thank Brother Ron for speaking last Sunday. Uh, we were able to tune into the live stream. We actually had a tree fall on our driveway that morning or the night before. We didn't realize it early that morning. And uh, I wouldn't have got out if I'd wanted to. So thank you. That, that was God appointed there. And uh, I'm just thankful that we've got someone in-house that can uh, fill in when needed. And he does a great job. So again, thank you, Brother Ron. So today's topic or sermon, whatever you want to call it, uh, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago I actually spoke on the unity in the body and uh, I thought Ron did a great job last week talking about that. And as I was studying this week, and that's often when things hit me, I read a blog from uh, one of our district superintendents, Gene Roncone, and he's actually from the Rocky Mountain District. And Brother Roncone is kind of like a pastor of pastors, if you will. And when I read this blog... You know, sometimes when you're asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want us to do? What do you want me to preach? Uh, what's the message this week? And I try to stay within the vein that I uh, have described to you. But as I read this, I went, wow. It just like rattled the inside of me. And, and uh, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I want you to deliver this this week. So what I'm going to try to do today is do justice to his message and I'm not going to preach it word for word, although I am going to share some quotes from him. And then what I love about it is at the end, he actually gives us some things that we, the church, can do to maybe help us in this time that we're in. And how many know we're in a really difficult time? No? Yeah. It is difficult. So he titled this, why the church is divided, and, and I'm going to add my little subtitle to it, and what 
she, the church, can do to bring healing. That's the best part. You know, the beginning of it's just kind of laying it out. And I'm not going to go into all the detail that he shared because he did an amazing job, but it would take me about four hours to do it. So I don't think you want to be here that long. Um, Gene began by sharing how pastors in the church today are finding themselves in some pretty precarious spots. And by that, what I mean is everybody has an opinion of how we should be operating right now. You know, some of you wear a mask, some of you don't. And that's an opinion. You feel strongly that you should, and the governor has said that we need to. Others don't feel that strongly about that. You know, should we let that be a contest? Never. We're not supposed to be divided. We're supposed to be united. And, and that was what he was talking about. And, and I want to tell you something. As a pastor, it is not easy pastoring today. Because everybody has a view of how things should operate. And I get it from both ends and down the middle. I do. And, and I'm not crying up here. I don't mean to sound like that. I, I'm not whining. It's just part of what we do. But I just want to let you know it's not easy. And somebody said, well, geez, isn't it easier for pastors to pastor today because the pandemic? I'm like, are you crazy? It adds work. Because there's so many things we have to, to, to look for and try to circumvent. It's like these little devices on the wall that you see up where you can stick your hand under and get hand sanitizer. That was just a thought so that you would be better equipped not to catch something that you don't want. So the gist of his article had to do with this, and I'm going to quote him. He said, Our political affiliation, our social convictions, or patriotic leanings have begun to overshadow our faith and belief in Jesus Christ. That was so strong, I need to say it again. Just listen to this again, please. Our political affiliation, our social convictions, or our patriotic leanings have begun to overshadow our faith and belief in Jesus Christ. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Brother Ron Cohn's concern, and mine as well, is that the church in America, perhaps unknowingly, they're buying into the hype of each of these different ideals. And they're expressing more interest and more energy into them than they are their faith in Jesus Christ. And if you don't know what hype is, according to Merriam-Webster's, it is to promote or publicize extravagantly. How many would agree that this stuff is in our face every day? It doesn't matter where you turn. It's there as you go into the store. It's there. The evidence of what's happening around us. These ideals are in our face. And they often draw us to conclusions many times without proper evidence. You know, I read it on Facebook. It has to be true. And thanks to our mainstream new services, and they're all too happy to thrust their opinion into this. And, and, and it is. It's an adulterated, unadulterated opinion. News isn't news anymore. You know that, right? 
It's opinion. Everything you hear and see is an opinion. And because of that, our country has been polarized. Our citizens are fighting one another. Even the church. Wow. We're consuming each other under the banner of the ideal that is closest to our hearts. Here's the problem, and and as Gene sees it and as I see it, nothing, nothing should be closer to our hearts. Wait for it. Nothing. And that leads me to the main premise of this whole message, which is right here. What is, this is the big question. Whoops, I think I put that in the wrong spot. Maybe not. Gene said, God's people seem to lack a prevailing perspective that enables them to discern the difference between better and best and navigate the spiritual realities of a world rotting from the inside out. Are you with me still? Here's the thing. As you read the New Testament and as you study Jesus' life, you realize this, that everything he taught had one prevailing priority. It was this. Matthew 6.33. Can you read it with me? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. After I decided that this was the message that the Lord wanted me to share this week, I saw this same passage shared by at least a half a dozen other pastors. And I thought, thank you, Lord. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church today. Only Jesus should be king of your heart. Nothing else should be in that place. And the big question as I, I kind of got out of order was this. Are you more passionate about your political affiliation, social justice, or patriotic leanings than you are about telling your neighbor about Jesus Christ? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you again for the Word of God. And I pray that if we need to get our little worlds shaken up a bit today, that you would do that. Maybe we're right where you want us to be. Lord, we're living for you. Uh, We're not letting these other things take first place in our life. But my hunch is, because this message was so strong on my heart, that there are many who are struggling with this very ideal. Jesus first, the kingdom first. And Lord, I pray for those that are here. I pray for those that are watching on live stream that you, Lord, would deliver this message to us, that it would help us to grow in you, that our faith would grow as a result, and Lord, that we would be better Christians when it's all said and done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Oops. How did I do that? I did it again. Gene finished this thought after reading Matthew 6.33.
as a Christ follower, I am not a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent. I am a child of the living God and a citizen of an eternal kingdom. <laughs> that means my passion for patriotism, social justice, social health, and normalcy must pale in comparison to my passion for the kingdom. That means when I leave the presence of others, they should be able to unequivocally and undeniably come to the conclusion that I am a Christ follower more than be able to recall my political affiliation, my social convictions, or my patriotic lean, end quote. Is this where we live today? Do you agree with what you've heard so far? Can I get a good amen? I love godly men and women. They make it so easy to follow Christ. If this rings true in your spirit like it did with mine, this just kind of begs us to ask the next question. What can I do to right the ship? What can I do to correct my course? And as much as we want to see the church, capital C, shift, you and I, we don't have any control over the big C. All we have control over is the little me. But if we change, and if enough of us do this, if enough of us see the value in other people to make this change, it can change our society, our culture, and the world. It just takes a few of us to have the guts to say, you know what, <laughs> this isn't right. We have to change who we are, start living like God wants us to live, and then we're going to see some awesome things happen. But i got to believe right now with, with most of the church that the Holy Spirit is grieved. And that's why I felt so strongly about sharing this message today. In answer to this question, I want to elaborate on the eight points that Gene gave us. I want to call them the eight questions for the church to ask in order to be more focused and more productive in their kingdom-first pursuit. So eight questions, and they're, they're fairly simple. It won't take long to go through them. Number one, and I'm going to put the questions behind me, are there other good but competing passions that are overshadowing my pursuit of Seek first the kingdom. I want you to ask that question of yourself. I can't answer it for you. I can only answer for myself. Seek first his kingdom. And this is the NIV. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So now we've had the King James and the NIV. Kingdom first. As a follower of Christ, my attention first should be focused on how to achieve kingdom results. Do you even think about what's going on in the church today when you're not here? It's easy when you're sitting in the seat, the hot seat today, right? 
It's easy to think about church when you're talking to another believer. But what about when you're just doing your regular routine, when you're going to work, when you're driving to the store? Do you think about the kingdom then? Does it have any priority in your life? Is my passion helping others come to Christ? You know, that should be what our passion is. Bringing others to Christ. Bringing them along with us. Making friends with the unchurched, with the sinners like Jesus did. Not to beat them up and not to to, uh, put them to shame. Not to judge them. That's God's job. That's the Bible's job. Your job is to love them into the kingdom. To have enough passion for the lost that you're willing to do whatever it takes. Even to have dinner with some people that maybe aren't like Jesus did. Look at, look at Jesus. He's over there having dinner with prostitutes and drunks. <laughs> Jesus said, yep, that's why I came. The healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick people do. <laughs> he knew that. And you see, if you're not here to love people into the kingdom, then I think your passion is misplaced. And you need to do something to correct that. All right? That's number one. Number two, what unique opportunities does our culture of social unrest provide for evangelism in our local communities? Have you had this conversation with anybody? Somebody that maybe doesn't look like you or isn't from the same cut of cloth as you are? We need to have more of these conversations. And hopefully the others that you approach will be willing to do that. It's hard to do if, if they're just doing this. It's hard to do if, if they're telling you, you know what, either you believe like I believe or I don't want to hear about it. We need to have conversations to get to know what we're, what we're made of on the inside. Can you imagine somebody somebody's face, if you were to go to them and say, hey, brother, you know, I don't know you that well, but I'd love to get to know you a little better. You know, I think we're from a couple different areas, and I'd just like to know, what's your life been like? What, what's it like to be you? Who doesn't like talking about themselves? <laughs> Pastor Barb said that. <laughs> Right? You did say that. Okay, I'm not misquoting you. I'm looking back at Pastor Barb. She's staring at me like, what? Here's the thing. If people see me as safe, then they may carry that conversation out to where you can share the gospel. But if if you build up these walls right away, you're never going to hear from them. They need people. And I'm talking about the people that are hurting out there. They need people like us to be willing to invest in them and to tear the walls down so that we can begin that conversation. 
And hopefully that will lead to a place where you can share the hope that you have in Jesus. But if you insist on having your own way, political, social justice, patriotism, or being indifferent, and that's another one that I didn't mention and it's in his list. Some of us just want it to go back to normal, but let me tell you something, there's, there's no, no normal anymore. Brother said we don't want it to go back, and I agree. If you can't let this stuff go in order to emphasize Jesus, then you've already turned people off. You've already put that wall up. So here's a question. Where could you strategically place yourself to let your light shine? I want you to think about these things this week because we're the church. And if the Holy Spirit is challenging me, which I think He is, and if He's as a result, challenging you, then it's up to us what we're going to do with this. You know, again, we can walk out of here every Sunday and go back to the way we live without giving a second thought to any of what you hear here or read about in the Bible or pray about in your private life. Or we can do something with this. We can give some energy to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other until you show me what's next. And that's when the miracles take place. One of the local pastors, not here in Gaylord, but near here, recently shared about an, uh, an issue or a situation, and, and the Lord had, had put on his heart to share this one scripture about how God was our refuge. And he went into some detail, and he kind of struggled with it at first, and he thought, you know what, if this is from the Lord, I'm going to talk about it. He put it in there, and after the service, a young man came up, and he, he holds his arm out, and he had that scripture tattooed on his arm. And the young man said, I've been searching for answers. And I didn't know where to go. And I felt like this is the church I was supposed to be in today. And I put this on my arm 10 years ago. Didn't really even know why. And today I got the answer. And he gave his heart to Jesus. When we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, there's nothing he can't do in and through us. Where could you strategically place yourself? Number three, how might the political gridlock in our nation give Christ followers an opportunity to make Christianity more inviting to non-believers? That's a mouthful. I have watched as the president of the Bible college that I'm attending right now to get my master's, J.P. Dorsey, he, he is so eloquent. I mean, this guy is a genius. He really is. I'm, I'm not making that up. But um, super smart. But on his Facebook posts, he throws this stuff out, and he, he basically says, this is how a Christian should live. And then he just kind of lets stuff be talked about below it. And what I've observed is when somebody gets off 
and, and goes from Jesus to their passion, whether it's social justice, political, you get what I'm saying? He just pulls them back gently. Wait a minute. You know, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Jesus here. Let, let's make sure it keeps coming back to this. That's what we need to do. We need to temper the conversations that go on around us. When somebody gets off track, just remind them of what Jesus said, what the Scriptures say, right? If it has to do with, with, with maybe an off joke about women or something else, somebody's origin, just say, hey, you know, that's not cool. Bring it back to where it needs to be, Jesus. We're supposed to love each other. You know, if you're not building up, you're tearing down. That's what we have to remember as Christians. If we're not building up, we're tearing down. And, and I love that J.P. Dorsey does that. He builds up. He doesn't tear down. How can you ensure that the kingdom of God is more attractive to people rather than building walls for your pet passion? We've got a label right now on the church, capital C. We don't love people anymore. We're too busy peddling our wares, political, social, etc. Let's change that. Let's get back to what's key, Jesus. His love for us. His love for every man, woman, boy, and girl on this planet. That's where we need to go. Number four, how can ethnic division and conflict provide an opportunity to present Christianity as a faith that unites instead of divides? I wish I had all the answers for this. You know, in my home, we talked about it a little bit. Would it be good to, to have this conversation, to have a forum where people were able to come and talk about it? I don't know. What do you think? I mean, that's a question. <laughs> I can't ask you on live stream. I guess you could answer uh, in the little forum on the side at Facebook, but what about you guys? Would you want that? Would you want to be able to talk about some of these things that divide us? I, I recently listened to a podcast that the uh, Michigan State Police put on, and the colonel, the, the main person over the state police, he had this group of men and women together, different colors of people, um, and they talked about some of these things. And one of the things that caught my attention was one of the, the black men said, what I remember as a young man is getting the talk. And in my mind, I'm thinking the talk, you know, I'm thinking the birds and the bees kind of talk. That wasn't what he was talking about. And, and he shared that his mom and dad told him, look, if you ever get pulled over, these are the things you do. Because you're going to be assumed guilty before they come to your door. So don't do anything rash. Always be polite. Address them with whatever their title is. And don't move. If they, if you, they say license and registration and it's in the glove box, just tell them. You know, look, I, I want to get it. It's in my glove box. Is it okay if I pull it out? 
This is the talk. Why? Because they have experienced this. Straight up, straight on, and it's scary. And I'd never thought of that because we, most of us are white here, we don't generally deal with this. So this is one little area that I can readjust how I think about people because they have to go through, through things that I don't or haven't had to. Now we kind of are. Now being white is almost like not popular anymore. I want to get back to where color doesn't matter, but I don't think that's going to happen right away. People need to get healed from the hurts. How can we, the church, help this How can we bring healing to those who are hurting? That's the question today. In Galatians uh, 28, 29, and I've got the NLT up, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. We're all in this together. We've talked about that. When God looks at us, He doesn't see where we're from. He doesn't see our color. He sees that we're human. And we have a soul in us. And He wants to resurrect that soul. He wants to save us from our sin. How can we help people to find their way? I believe one of the things we can do is to pray. And it's, it's so easy to say, yeah, I pray. But I want to tell you, as your pastor, you know, we have prayer here on Wednesday night and we have it here Sunday morning from 9 to 10 and Wednesday from 5.30 to 6.30. And when you see a handful of people come, you know, I think that sometimes we might end up with six or seven, but out of a church of a couple of hundred, 250, Do you really believe in prayer? I'm just asking. Romans 5.1 I didn't put that one up there. Let me read it to you. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. And because of what Jesus Christ did, I know what happened. I'm in the wrong spot. Sorry. Will you forgive me if I pray again? Lord, you know what this message means. And I just pray that you would re-engage my spirit man right here. And Lord, help me to preach real good because only you can do that. And as we leave here today, I trust that, Lord, we're going to be different because of it. And Lord, we just lift this time up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's another reason that we need prayer, so your pastor can preach real good. I want to tell you something. There's a war going on right now. And every single week that I get into this pulpit, that we broadcast this out there, there is an enemy who says, we don't want that. I can't tell you how many times we've had trouble with our technical side. And if you think that's not spiritual, trust me, it is. It is. 
Back to what I was talking about before I jumped off of this. Jesus never subjected anybody. I went too far. Jesus never subjected anybody to a lesser place. He always showed them respect. He was kind. It didn't matter how sinful they were. He loved them. How many of you can say amen? Thank God for that. Because he did the same thing for you. And that's how all of us should honor each other. Christ is our example. We need to be like him. Amen? Doesn't matter who we come across. What about that loud mouth in the store? Who's vocalizing his feeling about not wearing a mask? Should you get in his face and tell him just to buck up? Can we meet in my office after? Pray for him. Pray, pray for him. You know? I don't know what you could say to somebody like that, but man, if, if God gives you something to diffuse the situation, diffuse it. Be a peacemaker. Exactly. And, and that's actually what the next one is. Thank you for that. We live in a world full of conflict, unrest, and division. How might the peace of God give us an opportunity to make Jesus more inviting? as the provider of real peace, eternal hope, and true joy. Now, Philippians 4.7. Don't worry about anything instead. Pray about everything. How many can say amen to that? Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. That's good news right there. And I don't care who you are, we all need this. Both those who are saved and those who are unsaved. Man, it is rough out there. You turn the news on, you read Facebook or any of the other outlets out there, it is impossible to feel uplifted. But... You get your face in the Word of God. You start memorizing some of these Scriptures and you remind the Lord. He said, His peace will guard my heart and my mind <laughs> as, as I live in Christ Jesus. That's His promise. So if you're not experiencing peace in your life, I'm going to say it, it's your fault. As a believer, it's your fault. If you're not unsaved, it's not your fault, but you need to take the next step and get right with God. And then you can experience this peace. Now, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since, we have made, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. He has secured everything you and I need to be victorious both on this side of heaven and in heaven. We've got nothing, I'm going to say it again, nothing to worry about. What if this nation blows up? 
Literally. <laughs> I know some of you are not going to be hearing this if all this happens. If it, if it does blow up, I know some of you are going to be going, I'm going to have to remind you, Romans 5.1. Philippians 4.7. 4, 6, and 7. Huh? Everything in Christ is... All of God's promises are... Yes and amen. You can, you can bank on that. Show people how God gives you peace. And by the way, anybody can say this. Yeah, I got peace. And then your doctor calls and tells you you've got cancer. Where's that peace go? I'm not saying it's easy. But the world needs to see it doesn't matter what comes at us. What if the stock market tanks tomorrow? I'm not trying to plant negative thoughts. I'm just saying is it going to change you spiritually? It shouldn't. You might be a little poorer, but so what? You still have Jesus. Your name is still written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You have been insured eternal life. Let His peace dwell in you and protect your heart and guard your mind. Hallelujah. And, and that's not a prophetic word there. I don't know what's going to happen. But if it does hit us, where are we going to be? Are we going to be leveled on the floor crying? Are we going to be like during the, the Great Depression when people were diving out of windows because they, they lost so much money? They were willing to give up their lives because they lost so much money. Don't let it affect you. Don't let the social climate, the political climate, affect you. Show people what you're made of when you're in those tough situations. Be a doer of the Word. How can you bring peace to others? Let the Holy Spirit speak to you about that. How can you bring peace to others? Maybe it's your own family. Maybe you've got turmoil in your own house. You know, if you ask God for help with that, He'll give you some answers. If you need wisdom, ask Him. If you need more of the Holy Spirit, ask Him. Pastor Barb shared that scripture. God wants to give you what you need. Ask Him in prayer. And don't forget to do the F word once in a while. Fast. I tricked you. You potty minds. We don't, we're okay with the prayer part, but what about the fasting and prayer part? Yeah. Let's see how that works. Because if you really are in a desperate place, fasting is an amazing, amazing tool that God's given us to hear more clearly. It, what it does, as I understand it, is it makes our spirit man 
stand to attention. Or woman, by the way. Spirit man or spirit woman. Stand to attention so that we're more in tune with what he's saying. We're saying to the flesh, get behind me. When we don't eat something or whatever it is. This is a little longer, but I still wanted to read it. In Acts 11, a prophet named Agabus prophesied that a severe famine would spread over the Roman Empire. As a result of that prophecy, the early church began to mobilize relief efforts before the famine ever arrived. When the famine came, they were immediately relevant. Not because they were smart, woke, or popular. They were relevant because the Spirit led them to be a preemptive solution. How might the Holy Spirit lead us to our own cultural relevance in these troubled times? That's a great question. And again, I emphasize this requires prayer. If we really want to hear from God, we need to be together on this in prayer. This world, even our nation specifically, is unraveling. Do we care? Do you care? Do you really? Because the only way that there's going to be change is if Jesus is put number one again. And I'm telling you, as your pastor, we've got to be praying. If you can't be here, join us where you're at at 5.30 on Wednesdays. Pray every day, absolutely. But I'm talking about, there's something about a congregational prayer time. It moves heaven on earth. Prophecy is is also something we're desperate for. And it's only birthed through prayer and fasting. You know, when you go back and you look at people like Daniel, man, that, that guy was amazing, the stuff that... God downloaded into him. And it came because he was in a continual state of fasting. You've probably heard of the Daniel fast. All he ate were vegetables and fruits. Who does that? Give me a piece of meat. Give me a big old black Angus beef hot dog, you know? I'll have a banana on my breakfast cereal, but that's about it. But he wanted to hear from God, and and because of his relationship, that vertical relationship that he had with his Lord, God spoke through him. Listen, maybe you're called, I'm not trying to scare anybody, maybe you're being called to be a prophet or a prophetess. I'm looking at everybody in here. I I don't know. Linda, I think God's saying. (laughs) She's like, no, no. There's a big responsibility with that, though. Because people, they, they do listen to what you say, and I try to base my life on some of the things that we've heard through this church. What is God saying to you? Is He calling you to be a prophet? We need people like you who are prayed up, infused with the Holy Spirit, willing, courageous enough to say, thus says the Lord. Okay, enough of that. You've probably heard some of the things lately. 
that modern prophets have shared. And, and listen, I, I'm not going to go into a lot of it. It's, there's some pretty scary stuff going on around there, around that realm right now um, about where we're headed if, if there isn't a change. But you know what? The big one that I heard was, if the church, capital C, prays, intercedes fast for this nation, God will divert what's coming. I'm going to leave it at that. You let the Holy Spirit talk to you. I'm not going to go into that detail. Number seven, how has Christianity's history of compassion during pandemics, famines, and suffering give us direction in our current crisis? What did the church do so many years ago? Did you realize the government hated the Christians back during the times of Rome? The early church, Jerusalem, they hated the church. They looked for opportunities to feed them to the lions. They hung them on posts driven into the ground, saturated them in tar and lit them on fire, and lit the way into the capital. That's how much they liked Christians. Then this plague hit. And here's the thing. The Christians who most were probably trying to stay low because they didn't want to be a light like that. And these people were taking their loved ones who were diseased and dying and throwing them into the street. And you know what the Christians did? They gathered them up and they took them into their homes. And they tried to heal them through kindness, prayer, and so on. Some died as a result of their faithfulness. I promise you God will honor those people one day. They're going to get a reward. But what did it do to the unchurched? They were like, these guys are nuts. But they had to stop and say, there's something different about them because no normal human being would do what they've done. So I challenge you, church, we have opportunity here to go after people, to be kind to people, to help people in this very difficult time. What can you do? Last but not least, number eight. If my time, talents, conversations, finances, and energy could be quantitatively measured, would seeking the kingdom, and that means evangelism, discipleship, service, and worship, would that outweigh all of the other options? That's where I'd like you to stand. You know, I've said this many times, you know them by their fruit. If our neighbors don't see something different in us, then it's going to repel them from coming to Christ. If you claim to be a Christian and 
you have no fruit, and by that I mean fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all those. If people don't see you live in that way, it's going to repel them from coming to Christ. This message today, and it hit me hard this week. I believe the Holy Spirit's saying, would you look at where you're spending most of your time? Do you think of others? Or is everything you do just looking back at what you're going to get out of it? What's going to bring you the most comfort? Do you ever sacrifice anything on behalf of God's kingdom? And it can be financial. You know, look at your checkbook. Look at your bank account. Do you ever give anything to the church or to the poor? Or sometimes when you give to the church, it goes to the poor, but whatever. The food pantry or what do you do with your money? What do you do with your time? Well, I'm busy. Welcome to our world. We're all busy. Anybody here have extra time? Nobody raised their hand. Bonnie has some extra time. All right. All right. All right. I'm calling you two after service to see what we can do there. But the rest of us, it, it's such a busy world because there's so much going on. We have to ask ourselves, what am I doing with the time that God's given me? And, and if it's not balanced... If you're, not, if you're not doing this, then there's something wrong. Where's the fruit? And I love the fact that people serve in the church, and I am talking about that, but that's not all. I'm talking more about when we leave here today, how we respond to people in public. Because if, if they don't see Jesus in us, where are they going to see Him? If we're just like everybody else and we lose our cool every time somebody says something that rubs us raw, how is that going to bring them to the cross? What they need to see is that we're patient and kind, self-controlled. That's the last one in that list of fruits. Some of us need to go on a diet of fruits. Fruits of the Spirit. People need to see that we're different. People need to see that you're different out there. If they don't, how are they ever going to come to know Him? To know Jesus? Would you bow your heads? Father, again, we are just, just people. And Lord, there isn't anybody in here or watching on live stream that doesn't fit into this category. We're all broken. Because of sin, all men have fallen short of God's standard. But because of Jesus, Lord, there's a way back into your grace. And because of your mercy, because you sent Jesus to die for our sins, Lord, we have hope. And it's our responsibility in this 
very difficult time to take the hope you've given us and to share it with the people that need it most. Help this church, the people of the hope, carry the hope into this world, Lord. Into our marketplace, into our schools, Lord, into our homes, into other people's homes. May they see Jesus, our Lord, for who He really is, a loving God, a God who has brought peace in a troubled time. And Lord, I want to thank you for everybody that's here today. And as we digest this message, Lord, from Brother Gene, I pray that it would just saturate our spirit man and spirit woman. That, that we would meditate on this this week and next week and the following week. And Lord, you would use it to bring you glory and praise and honor. And when it's all said and done, as Pastor Roger likes to say, may you be well pleased, may you be glorified. We entrust this church to you today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I skipped over a final quote. I'm going to read it. Go to the last slide, John, before this one. Gene said, Seeking first the kingdom means there is no honor before the Lord and me allowing my patriotism, political affiliation, social wokeness, or traditions to judge a brother or sister in Christ. It means my prevailing passion, my entire focus, and my overarching worldview is Christ-centered, kingdom-focused, and salvation-driven. Anything less is a departure from goodness. Let that minister to you this week as you leave here today. And just know that we're praying for you. Every time I see something blew up, I think, oh Lord, keep us safe. But if He does put us in the heat of the moment, and I don't know, may we be ready. May we be Jesus. May we be the light. Even if it means covered in tar and a post lighting the streets. God bless you.